you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. Brought to you by Mind Architecture. Building worlds for your mind. How are we doing that? Hey, sorry, I didn't mean to make you wait. Right as we were getting ready to go, I get an email. Hey, there's an emergency. What we told you to do before, you shouldn't have done, so fix it. I won't even go into it. Uh, here, my my tale of that is how many times I did prototyping for a client and started to keep old versions because whenever they would say, oh, we don't like what you've done now, I'd say, well, how about this? And then they wouldn't realize they already rejected it once. Now they liked it. You know what right. I mean? So right. maybe it's always like that. You always keep a code base and all your rejected bits can come in handy later. But this place was an advertising agency and they were particularly always throwing stuff at the wall, always just new ideas instead of let's take what we already have and refine it and make it work. They were ridiculously like that. So I, I love the <laughs> Hey, this X is broken. It needs fixed. What's broken about it? What's not working? What's the error? What's happening? I need more details. Right. People can't log in. Okay. What error are they getting? Is it the button? There's a you know, there things. If you go here, I'm like, that's not even what you said. That's completely different. But yeah, they're trying to get to that. I have a, I had one client that would text me and say, hey, the website's down. And I go and look and say, no, it's not. It's fine. And they're like, no, I can't email anybody. It's your email program. It's not the no, website. Not. <laughs> and then when they say, hey, this isn't working, go check it. And you spend time checking it. And then they're like, oh, oh no, not that. It's this other thing. I'm like, that's not what you said. And then you send them an invoice for your time. And they're like, but that wasn't broke. You didn't fix anything. But that's what you told me to look at. And I did. I People often ask for, hey, what kind of computer should I get? Oh, yeah. And almost always what I say nowadays is whatever the computer is that the person that will have enough patience to troubleshoot with you, that's what you should get. <laughs> because they know that stuff. I've been a foot in both camps, Mac and Windows for a long time, but I'm much more proficient in Macintosh because that's where I actively develop. I right. develop for Mac and then make sure it works in various different Windows browsers and stuff like that. And yet I I that has not always been the case that people think a computer is just a computer or a phone is just a phone or whatever else it might be. And I try to be helpful, but oftentimes now I beg off and say, I'm, I'm just not the Android guy. You know what I mean? I, I, let's work on finding somebody that's going to really be able to handle this right. because you and I will, it'll take twice as long. And I don't even know that we'll get to the forever solution. We'll get to a cobble together, something get anyway. Yeah. So. yeah. In today's <laughs> stuff, it's like working on a car. It's yeah. you paid 200 bucks for it. You've had it for five years. Do you really want me to put time into it and you go, go get a right. new one anyway? Unfortunately, that's our society. <laughs> And, and having said that, not to be humble, Colleen and I have had some problems lately where we've got, I've got two different networks out of, for Wi-Fi in our house, the Smart Life Network and guest of the Smart Life Network. And it, it though you can have, let me say this, you can have both of those things set up for you so that if one, for whatever reason, isn't working or doesn't have signal strength, it'll switch over to the other. And they're like the 2.4 and the 5 kilohertz, I think, whatever that might be. And having said that, 
you it though you getting online and being able to get to the net will work equally if you've got other things like printers that are on a specific network it'll stop seeing those printers because they're on the other the guest of instead of the regular and for whatever reason now it swaps all the time between those things seemingly always to the other network when we want to print something and then trying to force it back to the correct network it won't attach and i i really know a lot about this and yet i've not been able to figure out why are we having problems with signal strength? Why is it not, especially why are we not able to force it to go to the one that we need? Because then I don't want to go on your computer. You can easily switch. Switching on a printer, you have to use that little tiny screen to type in painstakingly. And I hope that you remember the passwords for the various different networks. And it just has become a pain in the ass instead of, hey, print that off before we leave. I plan ahead. I just made big signs for pretentious drinking at Halloween where we have the various different kinds of liqueurs. And this year's um, theme was the silver screen. So instead of being just straightforward about these are creamy, these are nutty, these are chocolate, I tried to find like alcohol for chocolate, little pseudo puns, at least witty bits on movie titles. And I was determined, having made a little border of orange pumpkins and then big black text to print that out. Exactly that crap was happening. And after a while, I just, I got a printer right next to me here that I know I can print to in black and white. Just do it and stop worrying about that and go get packed. You know what I mean? But, oh, but, but you, you got to wonder, <laughs> first of all, they put some of those features in like the switching and the combining. They have that new one where it combines the two. So you've got right. your 2.4 and your five. And then it seemed like when we had so many people look, Every day I was like rebooting the router or unblocking somebody on the router and messing with it. And I'm like, how would anybody who doesn't know anything about computers deal with this? They're not going to have the time or whatever. And, And then when I see people that are like, oh, yeah, I'm just plugged right into my cable modem. I understand why I wouldn't right. recommend that, but <laughs> actually, I, have, I don't know if you've gotten to this frustration point. You really can set um, good security and good resource management up by not just letting it use the automatic uh, um, dynamic addressing, but actually setting up appropriate proxies and appropriate MAC addresses. Never really MAC addresses. That's too deep. But for a while, I really had everything so that it was segregated between business and pleasure and that has become such a hassle now to make it so that my we don't use the Wi-Fi from our AT&T bridge coming in. We bridge to the Apple, which does better Wi-Fi. And then we have floor by floor the, I didn't know what brand it was, it, but so that we get Wi-Fi throughout the house. Right. And when that breaks, it doesn't just like tweak the thing that broke. I got to start over and recreate the thing. And okay, you got me. You've made it so easy to do all the dynamic stuff and so difficult to set up specific things that I'm doing it. I like learning that kind of stuff, but it always seems to happen when you just don't want to spend the time doing it. You know what I mean? If, it, right. if it's that, that, like I said, we're getting ready to leave on a vacation and I need to do something, it, it, I wish that there were, maybe I need to work on this being a chat GPT will tell me, hey, if I got a Mac with this and this and this breaks, and that out in the, the wealth of, how do I usually troubleshoot it? I not only try to figure it myself, I go to the various different support sites and look for this specific question that sounds a lot like mine and follow what they did. And unfortunately, now that there's 
20 years worth of those questions backed up in various different databases and warehouses for those kinds of things, it's all context. You can't say, hey, how do I get a router working? You have to say, is it 2010 or is it 2023? Because things have changed massively over the course of that time. So even the act of troubleshooting and trying to use, if you will, the, the card catalog to find the book that you want, it's much more difficult than it should be. They don't have a way of what are the key terms that matter when you're doing this kind of research, what platform you're on, what year it is, maybe what browser, what manufacturer you're using, because AT&T is different than who's real popular, or something like that. Yeah. and But it doesn't present like you have to get good at um, Google foo, the right search terms to lead you to what you want and exclude the stuff that you don't want, because they it can sound like that what you're working on is going to work. And then at the bottom of the post, the guy will say, by the way, I'm on Windows using Belkin and I live in Siberia. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, oh, I didn't get into complaining mode already, but it's just so funny that <laughs> things go in waves of they're difficult and you really have to be a tech god to know it. And then they make it easy because they automate or embed a lot of information in the self-correction of things. But then when self-correction becomes opaque, you don't have the chance to troubleshoot. You just, can I turn it off and turn it back on again? Out of IT, the IT group show. A little frustrating if you're an under-the-hood car guy or an under-the-hood computer guy. Exactly. So So, so I guess Geekery is not always relentless. Once in a while, you just say, just take the easy route. Exactly. (laughs) Buy a new router. It's easier. (laughs) Honestly. (laughs) It's, It's funny, though, because my old router, it's not... It works fine when it had, we had a lot of people. That's why I got it because it sounded like a small business handles all of this. It has this, it should end, but there were just so many little stupid things. Like every time somebody connects, I start labeling all the devices so I could tell Mm -hmm. who's whatever and what problems there may be. It wouldn't always store all the labels or it would change them or randomly get rid of one or two here and there. And it just got so frustrating that I was just like, forget it. I, I What's the point? And, and yeah. uh, so <laughs> now that there's only a couple of us, I got a different router and I'm thinking of taking the old. Now, yeah, here's the thing. Oh, we're talking about <clears throat> redoing all this and spending the time. So I'm like, oh, I could get open WRT, the open source router software and put it on that old router and try that. And I'm like, it's open source and it's on a router. That's a weekend project. You're just asking for time being sucked away. (laughs) That's right. And unfortunately, nowadays, maybe it's always been like this. Once in a while, you read about the latest attack avenue is the router itself, that it's not your computer running various different versions of things that they found a way to hack. And it's not an OS. It's like the embedded EEPROMed smarts that are built into the device and then it's, I, I don't know always that there's upgrades to those kinds of things readily available until you read it's been compromised. And so now they have to do it. So then you have to learn the whole process of, am I going to be able to have it directly connected to the net? Or do I have to put the solution on a thumb drive, plug that in, tell the router through my 192.168.1.1 that there's some ways to control it. And then, and of course, I think AT&T, it isn't not 1.1, it's not 1.254 because they had to be different. Or maybe it always was 254. And then everybody said, well, we're not going to do what AT&T does. I don't always know the history of why people said there was a reasonable standard and we broke it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's funny, you, no one should have to memorize 192.168. But after you do it a bunch of times, it just sticks. And then 
when that little I'm so happy that just flowed out of my fingertips. And then it's not that it's like, well, what the heck? It's always where I've gone to do direct right. access. And then it doesn't work that way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, happy Halloween. Uh, happy Halloween. I think we've got appropriate uh, colors both on and behind us. And uh, yeah, I, I finally got to, to wear it. my jersey. It's been too warm all month to wear it. <laughs> okay. I, I I got this is dark blue instead of black, but it, this is one of those that it really is wonderfully warm. Uh, we when we got home from Halloween, I always set the house down to 55 and then it gradually warms up. But while you're there for the first couple hours, come on furnace. This is just lower than I want it to be. Um, We, uh, we had an incredibly beautiful drive back and forth to Chicago. Often by end of October leaves are down or they've all turned Brown or whatever else it might be for whatever reason, extended warm period, wet period and stuff. The, The things that we sought and did two to three hours driving to get to Kinsua bridge we just should have waited and seen it all on the way to Chicago because it was just spectacularly beautiful. But not even what do I take a picture of? Everything is beautiful. And I don't want to be, hey, Colleen, get a picture of this. Oh, get a picture. And then you have 500 pictures later. Right. <laughs> all of me. I love that. I really love this time of year and I'm luck- not looking forward to it being gone. Orange is my favorite color and it's out there in profusion. And especially when they have that great combination of the deep green from the things that are coniferous, but all the deciduous are, this is maple and this is oak and this is with all the different colors. I just so love that. It's so stimulating to the eye and the randomness of it, but it's got order pattern to it that you can see, oh, that must be a copse of that kind of tree. And then these guys are fighting. They're fighting for territory. You know what I mean? <laughs> nice. Nice. How was Halloween? Uh, it Oh, it's great. For those who don't know, and I think we might have talked about this a couple of years now, Mensa has uh, regional gatherings and they have the annual gathering each year. That's a big event, probably 1,500 people. Regional gatherings are maybe 100 to 500 and 500 is the top end with that being Halloween. It's a big party in Chicago where hundreds of Mensons descend on a hotel and for a long weekend, Thursday through Sunday, there's great hospitality, just ever available food and drink and craft beer and a, and keep, um, refrigerator coolers full of a wide variety of soda pop and beers and wine coolers and all that kind of stuff. They have my favorite um, access is they have a cooler that's full of ice cream treats. So for all those times that you were a kid running after the good humor truck, now here they are all <laughs> half a dozen different ones for free. Right. Uh, like how I don't just stand there putting dreamsicles in my face. I don't know. It's wonderful. Okay, you, you say that all those times. That wasn't my childhood. I did not oh, live boy. that because okay. I, where I live, there were none. The houses are so far apart. He'd have to stop right. at every house. It's just not worthwhile. And Didn't down on my grandmother's thing. road where we went a lot after school and summers and all that, yeah. uh, it, it was just so remote that it just it you never had that experience. Yeah. And so so, that, I always think of that as being very Americana, but no, based on population density, it isn't. Right. Okay. So when my kids were little, we were up in Michigan, somewhere close to Ann Arbor, but not Ann Arbor, but we were up in Michigan visiting the in-laws with the little kids and we're in the living room watching something, playing a video game. I don't know. And I heard the music 
The jingle. And I I exploded and went running outside. I I jumped in the car and grabbed a bunch of change and stuff. And everybody's, what are you doing? It's just the ice cream truck. I haven't, I'm like, I've never gotten to do that. And never got to have the bomb pop. Never got, oh man, that's great. (laughs) Delayed gratification for decades. Exactly. (laughs) Everyone thought I was crazy because, dude, you're not a little kid. I'm like, bull crap. Right now I'm a little kid. I'm getting ice cream at the ice cream truck. Exactly. You get to read the little sign that has all the things. Yes. That's it, it was, you know, besides, of course, well, the, it is an amazing thing to go to a place that has like, when do you get open bar at a wedding? You know what I mean? Otherwise, not many places that all have that. This really has that. We have there's tons of programs, like five different tracks of all the cool things that smart, passionate people want to share with their friends. So I went to one about the awesomeness of nature, that how animals have extended senses compared to ours. They see into the ultraviolet or the infrared. They have 40,000 times the smell that a dog knows and stuff. And in fact, got a book based on that talk because I really wanted to learn more about that. The went to one on extinction events and how, unfortunately, like the, there's a the KT extinction that's a, a famous, they actually have names for the five big die-offs that we've had in the history of life on our planet. And that we are so pushing climate change that we are very close to simulating the amount of carbon dioxide and methane in the air and the raising of global temperature and how it's affecting all these various different systems that the planet is dependent on for life. You can't have your water too acid and it's bleaching the coral reefs. You can't have the polar caps melting and raising the water level. And we might back then, apparently the the one that we are most similar to was caused by what they call the Siberian traps. They had a leak of lava, not a volcano exploding, but rifts in uh, the ground where they had tons of magma coming to the surface and making lava and the superheated air and all it does for those conditions, it made it so that the world, like there was a 90% die-off of all the various different mammals, not yet the dinosaurs, but all different kinds of things. And we're we're getting to that simulation. So terrifying. It isn't just, oh no, we're going to have the insects are moving higher because the die-off temperature is lower or there's not a hard freeze enough to stop the onset of murder hornets and mosquitoes. All those things are small compared to this really might make the planet largely uninhabitable and including us we're animals too so I, a little bit i want to think that it's just the guy sounding the alarm and making it awfulizing it so that we really will act on it but the science says otherwise there really are look at all the ways in which this is similar and if you're talking eight out of ten of the same conditions <laughs> man what are we going to do? Go live underground? Like we're all the science fiction things that have talked about? What no. if we screw up the planet and turn out that we have to get off planet or whatever? It was No, what we really need to do is just make sure we keep pushing to get as much money out of oil and be as rich as we can. Because that's whatever. It doesn't matter how we do it. We can do whatever we want to, right. to make this happen because <laughs> that's the important part. I've seen a, a good cartoon that has people in caveman conditions huddling in a cave and going, maybe now the earth is destroyed, but for one brief shining moment, we enhanced shareholder value. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. Went to one about the upcoming eclipse. We just had the annular yeah. eclipse, and now, now it's going to be the next one. And he was great. He had all kinds of information about, of course, don't look directly at it. Here's the sources for the, the good ASI certified glasses, so you won't burn your eyes out of your head. 
not only this eclipse, but here's the eclipses that are scheduled for like the next 20 years and 20 years after that, 20 years after that, and showing it globally, the swath of where this is exactly the conditions, right, for the sun and the moon to interact to give us. And it just, it was loaded with information and very much the celebration of we were able to talk about hey we were down in tennessee and here's what happens you really get the false horizon all the way around you really get the crescent moon like through a calendar everybody had little stories to, to share or the people who had never been to one their enthusiasm was much increased because of all the cool things like the that all of a sudden the world goes quiet because the animals are like what's going on <laughs> why is it dark not according to my usual bird and squirrel sleep schedule the world is ending to them that kind of thing right. early uh, anyway the costume parade was wonderful as always again for the the rest of the world the one of the highlights of halloween is that they have a lot of people hundreds do punny costumes for halloween this year's theme was silver screen so we had one guy that came out and, and said oh i got a ah! i got a uh, sliver scream that kind of stuff. Uh, Colleen and I, we actually won the award for uh, best matching the theme. She dressed up as a hot dog, and I dressed up as a Muppet, and she, so she was Oscar Meyer Wiener, and I was Oscar the Grouch, and we were a couple Oscars from the... And I, It's funny. Colleen and I, we have a, this determination to be, I'm not going out and renting anything. Let's just make something for five bucks. Yeah. So break out the duct tape and break out the safety pins and what scraps of cloth do we have laid around the house? And yet... Uh, I'm really good at caricature, so you're able to capture what are the essences of this so that people will know it's Oscar the Grouch. And Colleen is amazingly crafty and sure-handed, so he, like, sews a little felt that goes on the hot dog that looks just like the mustard that you put on a hot dog. And we were debating, are we going to put some ketchup on there, too? Because we'll get run out of town in Chicago. You don't put ketchup on a hot dog. And, of course, it wasn't just us. They had the team costume, the group costume, was the Spice Ghouls. And I, I love it where it's not just coming out and, and the name. Each of the individual ghouls had puns that went with being scary spice or sporty spice. Or it just was nice. really complete. And, of course, it wasn't even five girls. I think that maybe two or even three of the ghouls, the girls, were guys. And so that that's that kind of fun thing that everybody gets to dress up. And we had someone who came out uh, all gold, painted gold and in gold, and but, but as Thor. So she was an aw-Thor, A-U being the chemical symbol. And I, I just... There was, I think, at least 50 costumes that came up on stage. And unfortunately, I saw a couple dozen more in the audience that, like, they get a little bit of stage fright. They're a little bit shy. But you've already done the work. You got a good costume. There's no more accepting room than a yeah. bunch of mentions willing to laugh. And no matter how miserable the pun is, to groan along with you. And yet, they just got that little bit of shyness that they didn't go up on stage. So please, mentions, if you're listening, next year, go up. We'll love you. We'll appreciate your costume. It was a really good time. The MC does a great time. And this is my friend Robert Stalzer, and he does really good fill-in material in between. Good puns and little stories and stuff like that. And for whatever great reason, the crowd is in that mood of an opening act. Get off the stage! I can't wait for Kiss to get on stage! And they don't give him any love. And he deserves so much more polite claps and laughter and all that kind of stuff. So I can't tell you how many times my costume, because I was Oscar and a Grouch in a trash can, I couldn't easily sit down. So I'm in the back laughing every other line of his because they were all witty. And it was like this little lone cry in the wilderness. Come on, my friends. He's he's doing a great job. Get with him on this. I don't know how to account for that. People just were like, yeah. keep it going. More costumes. Be, be quiet, Robert. No, let him talk. He's funny. Let's oh. enjoy the experience <laughs> rather than 
how fast can we get this over? You know, okay, great. We saw the costume. Next one. Okay, great. We saw the next one. You know, people don't know how to enjoy the moment. I had an uncommon thing. Usually, Colleen and I get there early enough that we get like first or second row seats. So I take pictures of everybody as they're coming across. And then I love posting those to show the world, look how cool and witty and silly this kind of stuff gets because we i couldn't easily sit down we hovered on the sides and in the back and so i have far away pictures or none and that really oh man i'm not capturing this year like i have for 25 years running it was a little weird to miss out on that but they have uh, an official group photographer john milner who has been doing it for like decades. He just won a longtime service award, as a matter of fact, from Chicago area Mensa, because he's been the group photographer at this, plus all kinds of monthly gatherings and does a great job. So I'll wait for them to be posted on the website. One of the highlights for us, so we went, of course, and got Illuminati's pizza, because you have to have deep dish pizza while you're in Chicago, and it was great. And then Colleen and I host Pretentious Drinking, and I think we talked about that before. We sample liqueurs and cordials from all around the world, And this year, probably a record breaker, we had more than 150 bottles and more than 110 unique things. So sometimes we get doubles because we know that everybody loves the (laughs) the drambuie or something like that. And it goes quickly. Rochata, an uncommon thing. Usually we get the Jepson's Malort, which is a specific Chicago thing. It's like the nastiest thing in the world. It's very bitter, like where you get other herbals that have a whole different combination of things. It's a very interesting taste. This is like every way in which they could assault your taste buds. They put it all in one drink. So usually we have a bottle that lasts like three years. It doesn't pour through each year. It's left over for the next year, but they're stable, even unrefrigerated. Perfect combination, perfect storm, if you will. A group of American men called Firehouse was talking about it and of course all the macho men in there are like i'll try that i can handle anything so there was and then there was also a presentation that was a book somebody put out a book called 30 things that were invented in chicago and that was one of the things named in the book so everybody went to that talk and everybody firehouse were bellying up to the bar going give me that jepson's malort and it was gone in like the first 20 minutes of an hour and a half event I never thought I'd need a second bottle of that one. Usually that's like the challenge shot that you have to get the supposed big men to like, come over here and see if you can handle this bad boy. And and now I know if I buy another bottle next year, then this uh, fervor will have died off. And so then I'll have extra. I'll have to see how I handle it. But (laughs) thanks to Chicago area Mensa and Janice Ferriester, there's people that the budget for it is, is sponsored. Colleen and I covered a little bit, but other people cover a lot of it. And it's really a wonderful event because we're not there to try to just keep pounding them and get drunk. It's to sample all these very, I've never had elderflower before. I've never had, there was a new one that's made up from bok choy, a bok choy base. Wow. Anything you can ferment, they'll do it. Humanity will be like, if I can make My- grape stuff in a toilet in a prison i'm pretty I've sure heard, that... <laughs> i've heard stories of my great-grandmother taking the potato peelings and fermenting them to make yeah. uh, alcohol for my great-grandfather he'd come in from the fields and have potato vodka or something potato vodka potato mash exactly that corn squeezins yeah. that kind of stuff so we did have a corn thing we don't tend to get just flavored regular drinks we don't have any flavored gins or vodkas or tequilas or anything like that it has to have been um, made into a, a, a brandy a liqueur a cordial of some kind so it's a little more refined and i'll tell you uh, i try probably a dozen things in the course of the night but i had no hangover i never do the next morning because they don't have the tannins and the little impurities that bad beer and bad wine right. do it's just a little more refined, more kind of the snootiness helps you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So pinkies out for all the various different uh, things that we tasted and stuff. Had 
two dozen poor meisters this year. We have eight tables now, so three per each table. And so it when we and I actually gave a little bit of the history there. When we first started this, it was Gary Kribko and I that had this idea of we had stolen it from Milwaukee where they had six bottles. They were like, we could do this big time in Chicago. So we had 30 bottles. And unfortunately, we were immediately overwhelmed by the thronging crowd. So some friends hopped the table, came over to the other side, and it has gotten bigger each year. We couldn't do this without all these wonderful friends who are willing to be on their feet for two hours and wipe down bottles, make sure that they're pouring exactly into our little disposable shot glasses. So and much thanks to all the poor meisters who helped make this all happen. Some things were iced, some and uh, I, I don't mean to go on, but it's really it. We Halloween probably had close to five hundred people, and our door guard cat was actually using a clicker. And we had two hundred and thirty-three people at this party, so it's pretty much half the folks coming to the event come to this. A lot of people dress up, so it, we and I say this probably every year, why is it called pretentious drinking? Because it's supposed to be funny. It's not meant to be a snooty event. It's meant right. to be, you can be there in jeans and, and a t-shirt and still have a nice time. But the reason it's called that is because a band I really loved, Gentle Giant, who never had a song on the radio, but made like 30 great progressive rock albums, were accused by critics of being so complex, being so good, that they were pretentious about it. So they used to perform with a banner that said pretentious behind them on the wall. And that's where that came from. <laughs> that's funny. And, and as a reaction, I think it's Cincinnati. Uh, they will sometimes do unpretentious drinking. Exactly that. And they make a point of finding the, the worst moonshine, the worst hooch, the stuff that you see like behind next to the cigarettes at Walgreens. <laughs> Mogan, David, Matt, Mad Dog, Mike Train and stuff. They'll have that. <laughs> of course, uh, pumpkin spice has penetrated even pretentious drinking. So we had a couple things that were like a version of Malort, uh, not Malort. Uh, so it's called Amarula. Marula berries are the berries that when they ferment on the bushes, elephants eat them to get drunk. So, it's, well, if that can knock out an elephant, it can sure handle even 280-pound Al. <laughs> so they had a pumpkin spice version this year. I think Ramchada had one. I, I know I'm going on, but it's cool. If you do this for a long time, you can see how they started off with Bailey's Irish Cream. And then someone at Bailey's said, now we've got brand name recognition, so let's have a Bailey's double chocolate, and let's have a Bailey's white chocolate, right. and we'll go mint. And they expand to get more shelf space, but also... It, sometimes they flub it. It's like, well, that now it tastes fake and metallic. Sometimes the variations are really good. Rum chata, which is like an oatmeal cookie with a kick, they had a version now that has lemon involved. And so I guess it's like a lemon bar. And they you know, they must do, okay, test it and test it, because if we're going to put it out with the brand name on it, it has to still be good. And, and, and so a lot of those variations, uh, all the different chocolates and coffees and fruits and berries and all the citrus, they've done cool variations on that, not just finding another berry that we had never handled before, but a, a variation on a theme. So nice. we had a couple people also that went shopping and they've got a stuff from like a distillery in St. Louis or a uh, place in Chicago that was the new Bocomoro was the bok choy based thing. And it really, I thought it was going to be a contender for worst. And instead, because we've had, artichoke in the past that was terrible like cyanar which is pretty much short for cyanide as far as i'm concerned it was so bad we've had caraway seed that was like memorably bad and so anything that comes maybe out of the fruit versus the veggie thing it's hard to hey let's make 
turnip liqueur. It'll be great. <laughs> Most of those don't seem to succeed. <laughs> but you, you, you can't always tell. That's why I'll try right. just about anything at least once. Or at least like rhubarb pie. You're like rhubarb pie, but it made well. Rhubarb pie is amazing. Exactly. One of the things I love things that they're complex, that instead of, I love things that have a certain essence. So when you taste the perfect cloudberry liqueur, and it's like nothing else tastes like this, it really is. But I also like it where it's uh, complex, like a medicinal, like Benedictine and Brandy has 17 herbs and spices and 43, that Quanata y Tres, Jägermeister, they're combinations of things. And so some of those things were like the monks way long ago, hundreds of years ago, took all the herbs from the garden and said, let's do some combination of this that will be it, like it really is a medicinal unterberg is taken to settle your stomach while also the alcohol kills any available bacteria apparently but i i love that that like you get the initial taste and then it touches the various different parts of your tongue so you get sweet sour salty bitter and if you breathe in the little waft of strong alcohol goes up and it's not like hot where it, like horseradish or something but it really is it, there's a whole multiple sensory experience to it if you will nice. and i really like those and especially uh, those are the kind of things I hardly ever do a shot. I always do it a sip so that it really is. You can savor it a little yeah. bit. You know what I mean? You you smell it. So I guess in, in this way, I am snooty. I try to remember what the, the wine snobs do about where well, you swirl the glass to aerate it. And then you just have a little sip and you swirl it around. I never spit it out like they sometimes suggest. I, I take it in. I swallow yeah. it down. But I try to get the whole experience of it. And that really seems to enhance it. So, And I think cool. it was... A at Ween years ago, or maybe um, yeah. sat in on a talk where they were talking about the different types of wines and brandies and this, that, and the other thing that people sample and, and how you can taste the different flavors in it and all that. And they actually talked about how the different shapes of the glasses helped enhance the thing so because a snifter is different than a flute exactly yeah, because in your hand yeah. it would warm up enough that it would have the smell and the fumes in the glass that you could smell it before drinking it exactly yeah. just yeah. a little evaporation or sublimation to pet your deck exactly and i i sometimes i make fun of the people that they take a little sip of wine oh i can taste the lavender and the tiger there's some tiger in here you know it's right, like, right. but but People really do have much more refined palates than I do. There really are those, the folks that like pass the test for being a sommelier, that they really can tell the year and the vintage of pretty much anything that's ever been produced. And they can do almost that Benet Gesserit thing, Gesserit, where they can taste it and say, it is made out of these particular molecules. And I, I guess I don't have that. I need the strong essence shot to be able to say, Oh yeah, that's limoncello. It's bam. <laughs> so it's fun. It, yep, so yep. that worked out really well. And hats off to Chicago area Mensa for putting this great party on every single year. Halzems was there. There were so many volunteers. I just, I love letter to them and to everybody that contributes and everybody that attends because besides going to programs, we sat a number of times in hospitality just having a wonderful conversation, wide ranging at every single table where it really is a lot of what they tell you about why Mensa is good. Everybody gets your jokes or you're always learning something new. And it's just, it's, it's a delight. It's one just of the a, best game rooms. Absolutely. Boy, how did I not mention that early? They have the A to Z collection, hundreds of games. And some people, that's where they spend their time the entire weekend. They have particular games that they love. There were multiple tournaments. There was a Wonders of the World and uh, Actually, nowadays, there used to be a double-deck cancellation hearts tournament, and now it's usually just casual play. But they 
So that, that's often where Kalina and I end up from 11 to 1. After everything has died down, we gather with our friends of decades and play a good game of... So Double Deck Cancellation Hearts is playing hearts, but we play with two decks combined and world. If you play the same card on the same trick, they cancel each other out. So you don't always end up taking the queen with your ace of spades because the other ace might show up. And then all of a sudden, the person that threw the queen on you is now going to eat their own queen because the aces are gone. And it just lends a very interesting level of complexity. I've never been in any other group besides Mensa that has that. And one of the things I keep thinking of doing, and I don't know why I haven't, I need to make like an online version of this, I can code card playing games and a little bit of artificial intelligence that will play correctly for matching suit. And 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 I should do that just so that people could play year round. People gather in the various different card places to to simulate that. You're allowed to create your own decks and stuff like right. that. And But I've never done it where it could be an automated version so that even if you were just showing up solo until nobody else was there, it could have a reasonable opponent or even program it so that this one plays like Denny. He's aggressive in this way or tricky in this way. This one plays like Gloder or plays like me or whatever else it might be. The ones that are known for being uh, uh, playing that game a lot. Right. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you have so. to look into if you really want to do that. The tabletop simulator, because I know a lot of people or uh, the, the other one's called Arena, that they're already yeah. like the framework to handle matchmaking and games. You just add in your deck of cards or whatever your right. board and the is rules that. that drive the game. Exactly. Yeah. I had heard of arena. I've been on tabletop. I, I haven't been on arena. So thank you. That's a good one. Everybody arena look into that one. <laughs> and they had a book sale with tons and tons of books. And of course the proceeds benefit not Mensa, but I think like a local charity. So and 475 bucks made this year. Nice. So that's a really nice people contribute. And then this, I think it would maybe like a children's shelter or something like that, or a children's health fund that got the proceeds this year. Yeah, the, the, I always find books. I always end up getting books, but I, right. it's usually I'll, I'll Friday. Friday is usually when we get there. So I go through and I find, oh, I want this one, this one. I get a small stack of them trying to not overdo it. But then Saturday afternoon, it's, you know what? These books are still here and nobody took them yet. Okay, I'll take some more. And then Sunday, it's just shovel things into a bag. (laughs) (laughs) I I made a point. Colleen went and I made a point of staying away because I really have been trying to be book lean lately. Our house has books everywhere and I really need to handle that better. But like just last year, two years ago, went and a member that uh, had recently moved or passed away had put all kinds of books into the book sale. And what were they? Puzzle books, dictionaries, and things where you look up words for puzzles. And honestly, I bought what you said. I bought a stack because it was like, wow, I I might even have had some of those already, but just you want to have the copy that Helen had or that Adelaide had or whatever else it might be. So they will sometimes have exactly what, like when I go to Record Dead and it's someone that has my taste in music just died and this is their estate sale. That happens often at the Mensa book sales and stuff like that. So yeah. I I don't know why I stayed away, though, because they're only like a quarter or 50 cents. It's the physical bulk of it, the volume of it, that makes me worry, not why well, I spent too much money. You can get treasure for so little money. Yeah, That's a yeah. great thing. And they, besides books, they often have some CDs and some even old cartridges for games systems and stuff like that. And, Whatever people contribute, they see if they can peddle it. <laughs> and the way I figure it is if I don't get it and nobody else gets it, they're probably going to throw it in the dumpster and it goes to a trash thing or because even a lot of bookstores that they, they won't take stuff. And, and even if they do, I've taken, I took like seven boxes of books between me, my mother, my son to the half price bookstore, seven okay. boxes and they offered us something like $6.38. Yeah. 
Oh, I see. I hear that when I hear, hey, an offer for Stephen coming. And almost always you hear that little cry of despair from the person that steps up because they have to offer it like next to nothing in order to make a profit on it. But everybody that stops them and says, this is a lifetime's accumulation. These are treasure to me. And you're saying that they're a, a penny. That's really tough to face. I don't think I'll ever be able to do that. I will give them to a library or give them away to my friends and then right. hope that nothing just has to go into the dumpster, like you said. Yeah. yeah. So, so it so was wonderful. Did you have uh, fun events that like anything, a Halloween party this weekend or anything for you guys? Um, not, let's see. So I went to see John Cleese, Akron. You speak before where they showed Monty Python on the Holy Grail and then they had an interview section with him, right? So, yeah, he just showed a few clips. His one daughter was with him and she did some stand up oh. beforehand. She's 6'2. She probably weighs like 90 pounds. It is like her legs oh, are taller than me and she probably weighs <laughs> a third of my weight. I was like, geez, I'm in. Talk about bean bowl. Uh, I, I was never aware of his daughter before. I have never. It, I didn't know that he had one. Okay, he cool. had her like in his 40s, like his second or third wife or something like that. Okay. Yeah. He's not been a staying married type guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was super enjoyable. It's John Cleese. He was so British and so politically incorrect. <laughs> we were laughing. He's, he's like, what? Here's how you make something funny. And this is what we discovered early on is. You have to find the things that people are anxious about, that they're uptight and they just feel anxiety. Because then when you say the joke, that anxiety gets released as laughter. Yes, exactly. And, and he said, that's why you. That's why we started telling like all these sex jokes and stuff, because people would find them funny and laugh. And he's, an, up, an uptight society like Britain, English versus American, yes. they have a history of some body humor, but just that on an official BBC channel, it would be especially unexpected if you will so, right okay. i think nowadays honestly i think they're much more free with that type of humor than america you make any type of sexual comment in america and everyone's attacking you really true so so but the fact that he can talk about that being a monty python was in its heyday 60 years ago, no 50 50 years ago right. they from what i understand one of the best things was that they were so under the, the underground at the BBC that they didn't have a lot of notes from censors and people worried that they just said, go ahead and do whatever you want. You're only doing 13 shows, <laughs> that kind of thing. Right, so. right. And he's, he said some things, you know what we really need to bring back is we need to bring back racial jokes. There's not enough racial jokes nowadays. And everybody's, oh, dear Lord. Whoa. And, that, and that was his point right there. Because everyone I, in the audience kind of went, ooh. clenches and, a bit. Exactly. And he kept going. And he told some <laughs> jokes. He, I, I, in fact, Colin's got a Jewish friend. I said, hey, John Cleese told a couple of Jewish jokes. And I told him. And they thought they were funny. And uh, he's what we need to do. Now, for all you woke people out there, let's keep it nice and even. Let's just pick a country every year that is the one we do all the racial jokes about. And it switches every year. So everybody gets made fun of. It was just. I agree. One of the things about humor is humor can be like still inclusive and, and welcoming and funny. Some of the most funny Jewish jokes that I ever heard were on the elevator in the uh, Illini Towers. And which everybody that lived there called it Kike's Peak, <laughs> but they they have great fun themselves. The old Jewish comedians on TV and, and in the clubs and stuff like that made a lot of self-deprecating humor and because it was done with love, with affection right. and acknowledgement of we have our quirks. You know what I mean? That we're not trying to attack these people. It's 
celebrating the fact That's, that we're different and this is what's funny about us. He said that exactly. He's now let me explain Amen. humor to you folks. He's people <laughs> in the world don't understand this. There's two ways to, to make fun of people. He's, there's the loving and caring way. And we all do this with our friends and family. Don't we always poke fun at our friends and family that take we say things to pick on them. Exactly. And it's yeah. through love. We don't hate them. We're not trying to make them feel bad. We're not yeah. denigrating them in any way. We all do it. That's fun because we can do it without harm. But then there's the other way where it's meant to be mean and hateful and harmful. And that's not what we do. So we're doing it the first way for all you woke people. <laughs> that's right. And the fact that people can't differentiate between them right. nowadays, they think it's only hate speech. It's because, uh, so people with a sense of humor at the, are at the mercy of, of, of that, uh, uh, that is the people that don't have a sense of humor at the mercy of ones that do. They don't get that it is funny without being it's an attack. Right. And and so the, what I hope that what we will continue to do is refine our sense of humor instead of saying, nope, no humor allowed anymore. Right. And unfortunately, the people that, that are movie. jerks mask their ugliness, their attacks by saying, it's just a joke. Get over it. And then if you have to tell somebody to get over it because you've seen how much you hurt them and you didn't stop, you redoubled. Like, then it's much less about the person being joked about. It's about the ass that's telling the bad joke. Growing up as a human being has been learning to differentiate between Polak jokes which were all the rage when I was growing up. And some of them were still very funny and some of them were still very hurtful. And so you learn which ones you want to retell and maybe stop telling entire sets of jokes because it's so difficult to like, I don't know, there's a certain mark what you said, you have to have a certain friendship and familiarity so that they know you're a Joshin. So when I play with my poker buddies, it's like you make fun of how they play or who they are or whatever else it might be, but it's absolutely all in good humor. It's never meant to be. And then we stopped being friends because Al went too far. Well, you know what I mean? And, and I told, <laughs> I was with my buddy, Kevin, which I got to tell you about him in a moment. And I said, I've told people that for years, that if I'm not picking on you and making fun or stuff, then that means I don't like you because if I don't like you, you're not worth the time, but I also I just ignore know, you instead yeah, of I don't know you. how exactly. you'll react. So I don't, yeah say anything yeah. but that's what and i'm glad you said that just remember that in a couple months that you said about that picking and humor thing because you, you'll understand that okay. <laughs> but i was with my buddy kevin now kevin and i our story so this is the third time this year we've gotten together and it's cool. the first year we've seen each other since we graduated from high school so what an interesting for, re-blossoming of that friendship yeah. good for you man yeah. that's cool so it was really nice and even better he had a picture of us from like 1980 and with taken with a polaroid camera and we recreated the picture so he <laughs> not just recreated the picture he bought a polaroid camera with film so we could take pictures and we the had same pictures. level of graininess and yes. the, exactly that's great so we were at uh, the akron civic and we were walking in and there's this girl like 17 she's checking things and he shows her the camera with the flash bulbs and she goes what is that he goes oh it's an instant match. he goes oh and he walks in another lady goes wait a minute that's a camera you can't have a camera so we explained <laughs> what we were doing we wanted to get a picture inside because no yeah. photography or anything and so the girl <laughs> went in and took a picture of us we had to explain how to use it and right. uh, then we had to walk out to put the camera back in 
But as we were going out, there was a sign that said no re-entry and they told us we could go out. When we went to go back in, the lady scans it. I said, so we've already been in. We had a picture <laughs> taken. The lady back there told us we can come back in and she scans my thing and it pops up and says already entered. I said, yeah. And I just kept walking. So we got okay. back in, but the best part was afterwards, he took a picture of the no recording or fil film so we could put it with the others. I have taken with my camera a picture of the thing that says no pictures. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I love when I see that families will take a picture of Christmas with the family for 20 years in a row. So you can see the baby growing up from being baby right. in to being the young man bound for adventure and stuff like that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> So then Saturday, there was a small horror fest over in Warren at one of the old movie theater, drive-in movie theaters. Now, drive -in, okay. the, here's the thing. There are 330 drive-in movie theaters left across the country, and two of them are within 30 minutes drive of me. So how cool is how that? Cool okay. is that? Yeah. Um so it's still it would, okay, despite getting a little colder on Saturday night. They have like little car heaters you can hand on or you keep the car running or something. Okay. Yeah, I know the Midway Drive-In during COVID, they were open through November. And I think they've been staying open a little longer since then because they realized people will still go to it. It's okay. just tradition to end at Labor Day or whatever. And then Reese and I did our traditional Halloween marathon, movie marathon. And we had some really good movies this year. We watched... Phantom of the Paradise, which Dean Haglund had recommended. Okay. Uh, that was an interesting one. Then we watched, now I'm going to forget, I should have looked up the names ahead okay. of time. The Void, which was a Lovecraft movie. It was crowdsourced and it was fantastic movie. Really good. Okay. Yeah. So done by amateurs that is not necessarily Hollywood people, but someone very skilled because nowadays right. anybody that all the, the computing things you can do and with reasonable cameras and stuff, you can make a great movie without having to have dollies and yes. grips. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then what else did he say? The void. I probably won't find it. We have so many chats we talk about. I lose track of it. And of okay. course I just saw it two days ago and I can't remember. Oh, the, That's... Oh, sorry. Duh. The new Stephen King, the boogeyman movie. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and it, it was pretty good also. Really right. well done for a Stephen King movie. It it's was, on a short story, I think, right? Not, not a full book. Yes-ish. Okay. So okay. the short story, actually, that part of it was in the movie, but it was like the first five minutes. And then they oh, expanded beyond that. Launched from there. Okay. Yeah, because the short story itself really wouldn't make a movie by itself. So they expanded it to go beyond the story. So that was really good. So really good selection. Does he approve of it? Because one of his complaints was like out of a dozen movies, early movies they made off of his works, every one of them sucked. Maximum overdrive yeah. until maybe Misery. I think he really didn't like any of the books that had been yes. made. Actually, King did say this one was pretty scary and he liked it. And he okay. asked the director to redo the Langoliers. So the director is Very redoing good. Langoliers. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So, All right. <laughs> yeah. And then the following day, Colin had friends over and they had a movie marathon and they watched Color Out of Space with Nick Cage, another also Lovecraft movie. Lovecraft, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So it was a good uh, weekend. Nice and fun. Yeah. Yeah. I remember reading a lot about H.P. Lovecraft when I was young and it really was such a different, like it wasn't a jump scare type movie. It was dread. It was where they build things and they let your imagination fill in a lot of, wow, what's really going on here? And it isn't 
I don't know, deep threat. It was more like the world is not as it appears and how are you going to deal with it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really, his work isn't for everyone because it really right. isn't straightforward. Right. But uh, I, a lot of his stuff, the fact that the mythos that he created, the whole, the elder, the old ones, and that, that has inhabited all different kinds of movies and book series and stuff like that as an alternative to yeah. Satan and, and the boogeyman and stuff like that. That it really is that, that thing of, especially to humble humanity, like, they don't really hate us. They just don't care about us. We're like things in a petri dish to them, and they just happen to want to clear the lab right. table, and that we are just a nothing to them. But they have influence, so it drives people mad, or it, you know, whatever. Because uh, because our brain can comprehend their reality, their dimension, the vastness of it, the darkness yeah. of it, exactly. And, so yeah, and, color out of space at the mountains of madness. There's a couple of them. There, there's a. Actually, John Carpenter did In the Mouth of Madness, like in the early 90s, which yes, I didn't exactly. even realize he had done a Lovecraft movie. So I was like, wow. And, and then, of course, I was playing Alan Wake a bit, and I played Slender, The Arrival, which I'd never really played through. I know nothing about that one. What is it like Slender Man? Is that where yes, Slender Man comes it from? Was, it, so the, the oh. Slender Man, this guy did an, a, a Flash game. That's how old it is. It was done in Flash. Wow. Uh, where basically it was survival horror where all you could do is run away. Your idea was to find these eight pages and just okay. wander around till you found them. And every now and then Slenderman would show up, but you would start hearing a don't, 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 don't. And it'd get louder. And then the, your vision okay. would go all wavy when he's close. And if he looks at you for too long, he'd capture you. Tendrils would come out and grab you. Oh, and that's all it was. Okay. All you could do is run and stay away from him. You couldn't Got fight it. or anything like that. So they expanded into a full game and I'd never really played it. It's actually a lot of fun for as simple as it is, which I okay. think is what makes it fun because you're looking around and you start hearing the dump dump. And I'm like, oh, geez, oh man, get Where moving. is he coming from? Where can I go to? Yes. Said, okay, yeah. yeah. So fun oh. game. And then Alan Wake, of course, okay. the old one and the new one. I played a little. So yeah, yeah a nice, scary, low-key weekend for the holiday. Very good. Very good. We will have trick-or-treaters around tonight. As you've mentioned, you are too population sparse to usually get many. We're Lakewood is quite dense. And so we're hoping as we were driving home, terrible freezing rain type stuff. That'll keep the kids in. Hopefully tonight we'll go long enough that I think in Lakewood is probably six to eight. We got, I bought the big Costco bag. So it's got like 150 pieces of candy and Come on and get them, kids, because I don't want them in the house. <laughs> Whatever they don't take, I'm bringing them to Arden Courts and saying, this is for the residents, because I'm going to take one of each of 10 different things, and that'll be my right. survival rations for when I really need a right. sugar hit. So, you know what? Next year, I think I'm going to invite myself up to your house for trick-or-treat so I could dress up and scare kids. I don't get to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we we often have dressed up and then open the door suddenly, but now, um the costumes that we were wearing this year, Colleen could dress up as the Oscar Mayer wiener and she used to be, I would, it's the trash can is so bulky that it's like staying in that for two hours and not being able to sit down. I, I just don't think I want to do that. Can I recapture an old costume and put on like my Thor costume or something like that? Maybe she and I will do that so that we're part of the entertainment of kids coming up and we yep. leave our light on. We make sure that we look like a house that's ready to give out candy. You know what I mean? We're all the way at the end of the block. We know that there are some people that you turn your lights out and, Stay away, kids. No, we're happy. We're happy to have you. We got, we have actually, I think I also mentioned we have two pumpkins that are our little sentinels. And before we could turn them into jack o' lanterns, the, the squirrels got in. By the time we got home, one of them has collapsed in on itself. The squirrel <laughs> so ate through the top and whatever the 
it started to rot. And so now it's, it's, so it actually looks hideous. And so we'll leave that up. We'll have the kids. Who are these sickos that are letting pumpkins rot on their porch? Now, a, uh, a trick I know someone had told me is to wipe it down and with bleach on the inside outside and it kills off the bacteria so it doesn't grow and mold and collapse but i will have to remember that because we have a squirt bottle of bleach that we could use for that easy but i saw another thing going around saying don't do that because of all the animals that eat it then they're eating the bleach and it kills them in that they said use vinegar and it does the job just as good without killing the animal Right, being poised. Thank you. Thank you so much for not leaving it as the one. I know we have vinegar in the house too, and that would be a good purpose for it. Yeah. So, and actually, probably what we're going to end up doing because there one is all the way eaten into and rotting, and the other one has two holes in it where they go in and get all the, the gunk and the seeds. Probably we're just going to dispose of them after tonight. But right. like even one of them is so looking liquid gooey that I'm going to have to put on gloves or wrap it in paper towels first because I'm worried that I'm going to pick it up. It's going to go. And oh no, now I got it on my porch. Now right. I gotta get out a scrub brush to get all the gunk off. Right, right. We'll see what happens. <laughs> this year it was very low-key though for me and Colin. We didn't decorate a whole lot. We didn't carve pumpkins. We only put a couple decorations outside from okay. my father's wood stuff. Uh right. I'm a, I've just been so busy. He's had a lot going on. It was just like, yeah, I just couldn't get up the energy to go do it. And now now it's past, and I'm eh, I wish I had. Yeah, if you do it, you have to put it up for all of October so you enjoy it enjoy instead it. of being a rush for two days' worth of stuff. I think we've noticed that a little bit. We still put up our lights and decorate our tree for Christmas, but it's nowhere near put everything out that we have so that we have over here on the mantelpiece and over here on the shelves and stuff like that. We've just gotten to where the tree is enough and, and the nice lights along the fence are enough. We used to have a uh, big arbor vitae out front, like four big bushes that were as, as tall as the eaves of our house. And that's where we used to put the lights on. And it was this big, wonderful column of light. They're gone now. And we haven't gotten them like to where you line the house with them. So it looks like a little, and we're probably going to do that. We have a, let's see, nephew, I guess. I'm trying to, it's, so it's one of Colleen's niece's husbands so i guess it's like a nephew-in-law or something like that but he actually does stuff like that where they'll climb to the top of the house and make sure that all those things get done i don't have a problem with heights but i'm not steady on a ladder i i get the higher i go the more i'm like thinking of how bad this could be instead of nope just get the job done so the fact that they've got the trucks and ladders and equipments to do that we're probably going to between now and before bad weather sets in say please put our christmas lights up so that we'll have them available for all of December. So right. Matt, some business coming your way if you're listening to the podcast. Okay. We did watch some annual movies like Hocus Pocus and Charlie Brown. Sure, uh, sure. We always watch some of those. There's a couple the other Pumpkin. ones. There's some Castle episodes that I like to watch. Uh, okay. Yeah, I've discussed we we're watching the rookie nowadays, having segued from Castle to the Rookie. And our biggest complaint is the theme song, nowhere near as good. Not only the opening, but the the ending. Uh, credits running theme song from castle was just so great where i'm always like playing air guitar for that last 30 seconds you know what i mean so that our biggest but otherwise much like castle great supporting cast a, a wide variety of them and just recently his two cop buddies espo and uh, why am i missing the other guy's name uh, the irish name it, they appeared as other characters in the nice, show and i think nice. nathan Fillion does that often that all of a sudden alan tudyk will show up as a character in whatever project he's now working on and say with various other folks that he's worked with so yep. he's 
wonderfully loyal in that way. You know what I yeah. mean? That, that he's still doing well. I agree. Friends along. So T- Tunic was on the rookie. Have you seen those episodes? I guess not. We're only into oh. season two. So okay. we thank you for the preview. That's cool. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I know Ryan, the guy who played Ryan on Castles on, on there. The, Ryan um, Esposito. I, why did I blank? Okay. Yeah. yeah. The M.E. Tamala Jones. She's been on there. The rookie. Wonderful. Um, everybody but Kate. And you know how that show ended. I heard there was some animosity or whatever between. That's I don't know what, what went on. Too. They never reported. Yeah. But she's like, oh, the, the daughter. The girl who played the daughter was on there for an right. episode. So that's cool too. In fact, boy, uh, so I'm so much not like a creepy old guy, and yet she was beautiful for when she was just a kid, and then became a beautiful woman. And so the show really captured that. Often a sub uh, uh, plot of it was she's going on her first date. She's yeah. falling in love, but the guy is European, and then I just they really handled that well of showing. Father and daughter love with the, the loved that aspect that they've been of the divorced, show. and it really was wonderful. And so yeah. that she reminds me very much of the um, lady who played the. Uh, I guess I have a thing for redheads who was on Doctor Who, Amy Pond. Yeah, that I just uh, I'm glad that they're able to include that, and that they don't make it that I don't know. You can't have the kid be the naughty interest. They really showed that she's beautiful but like sometimes when you're beautiful people will take advantage of that because you are also inexperienced and that how often he was wonderfully protective and wonderfully trying to teach her life's lessons but also not smotheringly so that he had to let her know yeah there really are people that will betray you because they might not really love you they just want to get with you you know what i mean that kind of thing and she was in a horror movie last year called pray for the devil Uh, i did not know that okay yeah and also, uh, Tudyk and Fillion have uh, guest appearance cameo characters in the Spider-Man 2 video game. How cool. I See, I love... Uh, there's so much I, I... Like, I know that Nathan Fillion is one of the guys that, like, he wanders around San Diego's Comic-Con just because he's a big fan, too. He doesn't have that star weirdness of, make sure that my entourage keeps the little people away. No, <laughs> he's just happy to be out there. And there's so much affection and respect for him that nobody is accosting him he doesn't have to worry about somebody being too stalkery or anything like that i i really like when i see that yeah. him adam savage in fact adam savage usually dresses in costume where he's not recognizable as himself yes. full face mask on and then he'll tell stories about all the fun that he had at comic-con because he wasn't an attraction he was just a fan so i love that too <laughs> yep, yep. all right let's get close to i gotta get moving okay as always, a, a pleasure. I'm trying to think of uh, whatever we didn't cover. I'm sure we'll get to it next week. We'll have Tales of Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're <laughs> into the uh, two big end of the year holidays. Thanksgiving coming. Thanksgiving's quick. It's three weeks away. That's you know? true. It's early out of that. Whatever that thing has been 20 and 30, it's 23 this year, right? Yeah. Which was to my best friend's birthday. So I always have an awareness of when Thanksgiving is based on how close is it to his birthday. <laughs> and this year, my birthday and Christmas are both on the weekend. So it's like you can't even take off work for them. Got it. We we had a very full October. We're trying not to have as full in November and December, but we got at least like a Celtic Christmas lined up and we got games night with family and friends. And we, we're trying to make sure that we have some time to just like squirrel into our house and read our books and stay warm and cuddle right. on the couch and stuff like that. So nice. all the best to you and Colin and, and we'll, we'll see you next week. Yep. Later, right. man. Love the shirt, man. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> okay. This has Bye. been the Relentless Bye. Geekery Podcast. If you enjoy our conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. 
and go give us a review. Give us some likes. It would help a lot. Check out our website, relentlessgeekery.com, where we have links to our Facebook page, Join the Conversation, and go check out our YouTube page, where we have the video of this and other episodes. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week.